Hello, and welcome again to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest today, Mr. Jim North and his book, being launched fairly soon, I hope. Title of the book is Unsung Heroes Wear No Capes and 12 Essential Virtues for an Extraordinary Life. Sounds like a lot to talk about. What do you think, Jim? It is a lot to talk about. It's a big <laughs> thing, you know. I mean, this is what you're all about, you know, with your searching for integrity theme. Um, the, my story locks right in with yours, I believe. And um, I'm very happy to be on your show. Well, good. Um, I did want to uh, ask you a few mechanical things about your book. Uh, for instance, did you, um, were you prepared to, to launch it and then it was delayed or what, what happened with it? Well, I mean, I'm in the final stages. Uh, it's about to go into the phase of production. So it's probably going to be June-ish uh, before it's actually published. But um, there's a lot of stories in my book. Uh, but the theme is unsung heroes and the things that personify one, right. you know, it's not like um, uh, everyone always gets credit for the good things that they do. And we shouldn't really seek the credit for it, I think, is one of the points. Uh, but we should do what we do for the right reasons, whether we get the applause for that or not. And um, anyone can be an unsung hero if you are just willing to be a helper of others, that's the way I look at it. Um, we want to be a helper. And if we're willing to do that, I think it draws more out of us than we ever could have um, drawn out of ourselves otherwise. So, you know, if you're self-serving, you're not going to get really too very far. But if you're really focused in on being all that you can be to someone else and that the 12 virtues that I explore, although there's more virtues than what I've explored, but courage and hope and love and friendship and optimism and um, things like that, you know, hope is a, is a big thing. Uh, so these are the things that I explore. They're the things that separate us and uh, take us to the next level. You want to be about other people not just yourself. I have a saying that we make a mistake by um, defining ourselves by who we are rather than who we are to others. So that's the theme of the book. And there's a lot of stories in it. Well, your background gives you a, a great knowledge of how you're going to do it, do it right. And um, you've got quite a, quite a, quite a background. What what's some of the uh, good parts of the background that that you share with people? Yeah, um, you know, I've gotten my master's degree at the University of Oklahoma, and my undergrad is at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, it's in professional writing, but I've done journalism, and um, but I've also been in the corporate world, you know, in leadership and management. 
I've also been in areas of service to um, to other people as far as, you know, I've been a pastor, I've been a kid's pastor. So really, I have a convergence, really, of all these into what I'm doing right now. And this book is meant to kind of really wrap things uh, together and craft a meaningful messages for other people uh, to benefit from. Good. Those are all uh, up and up kind of talks that you give yourself all the time. <laughs> I give myself talks all the time. And sometimes it's not always positive. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, self-reflection <laughs> is, uh, is a good thing. And I, I really try to be that way, you know. I mean, I really do want to examine my um, myself and be uh, reflective and introspective. Because that way you can really wrap what you do into um, who you are and to others and your own mission and life. And uh, we really want to be connective, right? Yeah, sure. And, and, and noticed. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me ask you this. Have you always been in Oklahoma? No, I was born in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was raised in Ohio and Michigan. Uh, back and forth quite a bit because of what my dad did. Um, but once I um, got married at the ripe age of 22, um, <laughs> we moved to Oklahoma and we've been here most of the time since. Right. So it's home now. Oklahoma is home. Uh, so I like yeah. Oklahoma. I, I was raised some there. And, you were raised uh, some in Oklahoma? Yeah. Uh, okay. I think that we, we went from Tennessee to Oklahoma, and that was when I was about seven years old. Mm-hmm. And then we, we moved to Dallas um, probably in about another seven, eight years. And then I you know, finished the sophomore semester and did the junior, senior thing. It was hard on me because, um, you know, I was a wrestler. And I was always trying to make weight. And okay. I got down to Texas, and they didn't even have the – in the schools. They weren't didn't have any wrestling in the schools then. Yeah. Really? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. It is. <laughs> uh, I saw that with your credentials now, which, which do you uh, – you, know, you come with your business cards or your non-business cards. Is there one that you give to people the first time or the second time? What do you rely on in terms of, say, being a pastor? Uh, what do I rely on? Huh? Um, you know, I don't really um, talk that much about my experience as a pastor. It was a couple of years, uh, but my experience as a kid's pastor, though, <laughs> exploded. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that was not something I expected. And it became far bigger than I ever imagined. And so I learned so much from uh, becoming creative with a theme and being able to put that out there to kids. You know, kids see through. And sure. so you, you got to be genuine right. and honest. And that's one another one of my 12 virtues is honesty. Sure. Because I learned early on, you know, in my younger years, you know, as a teenager, I, I, 
as much lie to you as look at you. But that all <laughs> changed for me. And when mm-hmm. I became 18, 19 years old, and I really had a transformation. And mm-hmm. I learned, you know what, I will never, ever lie to anyone about anything uh, or ever say anything about someone else that's not true. This is mm-hmm. an essential virtue. And it's one of the 12 that I tackle in mm-hmm. my book. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, really, these are the things that I want to um, be remembered by is is these kinds of virtues because they're what takes us the farthest in life. And of course that story in Ripley um, is one that there's a, the virtue of friendship that you can look at in that story and, uh, and courage and love and hope and all kinds of these things you can look at uh, with the Ripley story that I talk about in my book. Mm -hmm. Once your book is, is launched, have you, considered or as if you even look at, looked into it is the a mediation uh, a mediator you know is where the lawyers can't get it done themselves so they hire a mediator and the mediator comes in and brings both parties to go together and then and you'd be perfect for something such as that oh uh, well thank you so much i i do desire that you know um I desired to, you know, I hadn't thought about it in exactly the way you're saying, but yeah, mm-hmm. it resonates. That kind of thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. I figured it would. <laughs> well, that's perceptive of you. Well, um, you know, it's something that you would do very well. Um, and of course, with the book, you know, now, now you're toting with the ball. Yeah, um, that book, um, I lead off each chapter with an unsung hero story. Mm -hmm. And so then it dives into, use it as a springboard into the chapter material. And so um, do you want to hear a bit of the Ripley story? Sure. well, I did research several years back, and I learned the story of Ripley, and I was shocked. Hmm. I thought, I've lived in Ohio all my life and not known the story of Ripley. And Ripley's a little small town upriver from Cincinnati. But back in the day, 1820s, 1830s, 1840s, 1850s, this was a hotbed for hmm. abolition. And there was these connections that you can just never imagine. I mean, unsung heroes galore. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I thought, I don't understand how I could live in Ohio and not. And so when I learned it, I thought, okay, next time I go to Ohio, I'm going to Ripley. And I did. And when I went, I discovered um, the, the quaintness of this beautiful little town. And I just can't believe everything that happened in those days. So. The story goes, there's a man named John Rankin who purchased a small home, a little red home. He built it on top of this 500-foot bluff, but he only bought it for one reason, and that is to help slaves across the Ohio River. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's so high up. I mean, it's 
it's like a picture <laughs> to see that little red house. And you can just well imagine that if you're a slave on the Kentucky side, you, you can see that little red house up there and have developed a reputation that that is the place to go if you want to uh, safely passage over to uh, the north. Uh, but once you cross the river, you know, he what he would do, though, John Rankin, is place a lantern in the window of the house if it was safe to cross. Right. If it was not safe to cross, he did not put that in the window because um, there were plenty of slave catchers combing the town on horseback with torches looking for slaves to send them back where they came from. But John Rankin successfully uh, helped 2,000 slaves to freedom that way and never lost one. Jeez. That's a lot. And he um, would never keep a slave more than two or three hours. He fed them, clothed them, cared for them. And then his sons, which he had nine of them, took oh the slave out the back of the property further north on the Underground Railroad. And this was the most prominent uh, Underground Railroad in probably period, is the Ripley line. And um, so John Parker, who's a black man who helped slaves in Ripley, he called Ripley the terminus of the Underground Railroad. In fact, derived its name from Ripley, the very term, Underground Railroad, because the slave catchers and the slave owners, they think, hey, what happened to my slave? It seems like he disappeared into an Underground Railroad. That began in 1831. Uh, so John Rankin, uh, he his life was threatened for doing what he did, but he personified this friendship. You know, friendship goes beyond someone you've known for many years. I mean, these are people that okay, you become you're a slave and you meet this man in one moment of time. This is friendship because of what you bring to that relationship because they felt like they could trust him. And so he let them in their home. And, you know, I mean, he caught, he encountered these slaves. They're, they're trembling with, you know, fear and anxiety for being pursued the way they were. It's unbelievable to think of the stories of these people, mm -hmm. but there's one in particular I'd like to share with you. And that is um, the story of Eliza. Have you heard that name? Sure. Um, well, John Rankin knew uh, that this young mother and her baby tried to cross the Ohio River and they kept breaking through the ice. And so uh, by the time she got to the other side, she fell exhausted on the bank. Mm -hmm. um, of the north side and when she looked up there's a slave catcher and so his name was chauncey shaw uh, but when he saw he watched her from the whole from one side to the other and he was so impressed with her fight to live for her and her baby that he said you know anyone that can do what i just saw you do deserves their freedom and he sure. pointed to that little red house. He said, go there and you'll get the help that you need. And she did. And she um, was cared for for a couple of hours. 
and taken further north. And then eventually she came back and rescued more family family members. That's great. But here's the thing about it. uh, And um, I'll throw this back to you. But John Rankin became acquainted with Harriet Beecher, who lived in Cincinnati, was studying to be a writer at the time. And she visited John Rankin and the Little House. And uh, that was 1838 or so, or nine. And um, she placed this story of the mother and her baby in her book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. And of course, Uncle Tom's Cabin became the top-selling book of that century next to the Bible. So Eliza is the name, fictional name, Mm -hmm. for that mother in her book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. But it was based on her experience of meeting John Rankin and uh, visiting Ripley. Interesting. Seems like there was a song about Eliza. I heard that growing up. And um, uh, that would fit with that uh, scenario. It would. I, I haven't heard that, but um, yeah, it's a fascinating story. Yeah. yeah. I would, um, I would, I would hope that once you get a hold of people and, you know, with your words, um, don't let them go. <laughs> you know, it's a thing where I'll see you tomorrow and I'll call you or whatever. You say, no, we're going to talk some more. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> uh, at least that's that worked for me, um, and yeah, I knew okay. I knew when I needed to be out an outlier, and I knew when I was supposed to be real quiet, mm-hmm. and that worked worked very well for me over a period of long period of uh, um, 13, 14 years. Okay, thank you for that. Sure. Now the other virtues that you have. Uh, what's your next one that you like? Well, that's let's heavy. see. Um, I can't help but um, think of another story with friendship, um, Mr. Rogers, you know. So I um, had a conversation or a visit, like we like to say, uh, with a lady that worked with him for all of those years. Uh, Her name is Hedda, and she worked with Fred Rogers for 50, um, I think 56 years or something like that. And she was with him at the first taping of the first episode in 1966. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was able to take this concept of friendship and really build it out, you know, friendship, neighbors, and all of these essential virtues. He actually was able to convey these concepts through a television screen to millions of small children. And so these children believed in him, you know, because he what he believed in them, right? Right. And so um, I had these conversations with Hedda and learned so much more about his background. Uh, Fred was an unsung hero to a lot of people, and but Fred had his own unsung heroes, because what a lot of people don't know right. is that behind the scenes. There was someone, a lady, a doctor, Dr. Margaret McFarland, that he met with once per week for the duration of those episodes. 
Now, they taped almost 900 episodes of Mm -hmm. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. He wrote the scripts for all of them. He also wrote 200 songs for these episodes. Mm -hmm. But he never did any of this without consulting with Dr. McFarland first, because she was a renowned child psychologist. Mm -hmm. And she understood what is good for children. And he didn't ever really want to do what he did creatively without consulting her first. So she was an unsung hero for him, and she didn't want the credit for everything that she did, but she was the counterpart, is what they like to say, for Mm -hmm. his creativity. And then he would take the liberty to put that forth in the shows in a creative way. So, you know, he did it through puppets. He did it through music. He did it through real live visitors that came onto the set, like Mr. McFeely. Sure. Uh, these were creative touches, but they were rooted and grounded in uh, real concepts uh, that Dr. McFarland understood um, back in those days. And they met and then they synergized. Well, it's not hard to synergize that. I had my youngest two kids, kiddos, now they're 38 and 35, that type of thing. Uh, and I remember, you know, they got hooked on Mr. Rogers because I made them sit down and listen to him. And then there were times, you know, whenever I would go in and wake them up, and even my even my wife, you know, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I got that rolling yeah. in my hand, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was his signature, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting to know that he was so disciplined, Hedda said, he kept his weight at 143 consistently for many, <laughs> many, many years. I don't know how a person does that. It's like, well, I'd sure like to know how to do that. I mean, <laughs> 143, but the numbers, one is I, four is love you is three there you go yeah so that's what he did it was uh that was uh interesting you know i mean he was very disciplined with eating and swimming every day and very fit and disciplined and had these certain um yeah daily mm-hmm. rituals yeah routines yeah Mm-hmm. And uh, he kept his weight at 143. But, you know, it always came across the airwaves that he loved those kids and he believed right. in them and he uh, promoted these kind of virtues, you know. And he had right. all kinds of topics and themes, uh, but they were, like you like to say, integrated. Right. Yeah. Well, it's. Um... I'm I'm glad for that. I'm glad that it's still around and it's being, you know, it should be perpetual. Um, and I don't use that word very much, <laughs> but that's a it's a kind of thing that you have, no matter where you go and what you do, that you know people will will be in very high regards of you because you have the type of thing that they're looking for something. 
and then you'll hit you'll find you'll hit that button again and there you go you're off and running yeah these are the things that endure right mm-hmm. these are the exactly. things that last these are the That's things right. that mean the most to us because you know when i need a friend there's nothing more refreshing than that right uh-huh. yes it's like okay this person is actually being a friend to me and it's like this is perhaps the most valuable thing that I have going through this trial. Right. Right. Friendship is something that's that really carries the day. Sure. In many of our toughest situations. Mm-hmm. Well, um, let me ask you this on launch day or launch week. Uh, where in the where's your book going to be? Will it be on Amazon? Will it be in Barnes and Noble? Lots of things. Well, um, it will be on Amazon. I will have a print copy and an, you know, of course, an online uh, version. So I'll have it both ways. Um, but as far as distribution, I mean, we'll see. You know, potentially it could be. Uh, right. in Barnes and Noble, but you know, some of this remains uh, to happen over time. But sure. yeah, I have a print version available and an online version, and um, it's getting closer. That's good. Uh, and it's not easy waiting on it getting closer. <laughs> right. It's not. Yeah. It's more, it's not. <laughs> more involved than it appears on the surface, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, well, let me uh, sign off to my listeners and sign off with you. Um, I'm always happy to have my listeners come in and say hello. Um, and my numbers, they tell me my numbers on YouTube are pretty good. And I've only done it for four months, I think. That's um, fantastic. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the listeners searching for integrity. And um, the way I so you'll you'll know this one because uh, the um, so long and happy trails to all. And in the end, we'll see you again. <laughs>